And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis and welcome especially to our Thursday show. Love, love our Thursday shows. We have an in-studio audience, which I love looking at their smiling faces and also love, we also have one special guest and a very in-depth conversation every Thursday, somehow related to saving this precious country. I'm gonna take a few moments before we start with our very special guest today to tell you about a little bit of programming updates. This is the last show we'll be doing uh, on a Thursday for the summer. We're gonna pick up again on Thursday, September 1st, the very first Thursday in September, September 1st, we have Congressman Louis Gohmert joining us in studio. Uh, he's always wonderful. We have a wonderful fall lineup coming. Uh, and so I hope you always tune in uh, on Thursday to the show. I will continue doing this. I do the show Monday through Wednesday also, uh, sometimes with guests, sometimes just me. And the, the uh, Monday through Wednesday shows will continue throughout August. So last Thursday show till September 1st, but don't go away. I am doing shows uh, all throughout August on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Second thing I wanted to tell you about is, I want to remind you about our upcoming summit. America Can We Talk, this is sponsoring our third annual Women for Freedom Summit. And I will just tell you, uh, beside that we have wonderful guests already committed and we have uh, put up on our, in fact, I don't know, Amelia, if you have that available to put up to quickly show our listeners our, uh, if we don't have it, it's okay, I didn't send it to you this time. Anyway, there we go. Okay, so far, if you're, Listening uh, on radio, I'll just quickly tell you, uh, we have a list up, we have our flyer up on the screen. Tickets are now available. You can purchase tickets for the summit at americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. It's all day Saturday, October 15th. We have a Friday evening event for sponsors and speakers. And I'm just gonna tease this. We have the most exciting, amazing guests, uh, two exciting, amazing guests that we are not yet listing, uh, but you do not want to miss this summit and you don't want to miss a Friday night event. So I hope you'll buy tickets. You can also buy sponsorships at our website, americacanwetalk.org. And for all of you who've joined America Can We Talk, we have members. I'm grateful for you. We sent out an email. So if you're a member, you can purchase a ticket for the summit at a discounted rate. And I'm realizing today people are actually using it. They are signing on the website, picking tickets and using your uh, membership code and you get a discount on the tickets. So I'm following through on that. I really hope uh, if you are a member, you'll go ahead and take advantage of that, the discounted ticket price. I also hope you'll encourage your friends to become members, to come to the summit. I'll tell you, last year we had people attending from literally California, Oregon, Washington, New York. People come here. It is the most upbeat, um, positive day, but it's talking very seriously about the challenges facing America. And I will tell you that I'm especially excited this year for how many really strong women speakers we have. I mean, we've all got to be in the fight to save America. Um, and But there are many women stepping up and being leaders in America. And so I, for those people, I'll just tell you, you will love hearing these people speak. So I hope you all buy tickets and join us at America Can We Talk at our AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk Women for Freedom Summit, October 15th. Don't miss it. Also for our studio audience, we have one pass around. There's a sign up sheet if you want to give us your email address. You get emails from us and other, uh, you put your name and your email on it. We're also passing around our flyers uh, for the audience. We have a flyer for the show and a flyer for the summit. So really hope to have you all come. And um, it, it's just a great day. It's a great day celebrating America's great goodness. So. Our guest today is one of those great women leaders. We have Bunny Pounds joining us in studio. And if you're thinking, I kind of know that name, she was on our show a couple other times, but one reason was the organization she founded is called Christians Engaged. Christians Engaged, I'm gonna let her tell you all about it. 
but she was on this show because this wonderful, obvious 501c3 qualified organization first had their application turned down by the IRS. Can't have people talking about, you know, biblical truth or anything like that. But anyway, through a lot of public pressure, the IRS, uh, on second thought, decided they should get their 501c3 certification. It was a great uh, victory. But I do want to have Bonnie Pounds. I want to first introduce her to you all and ask you all to let her tell you all about Christians Engaged. So welcome to the show, Bonnie Pounds. Oh, it's so good. It's so great to be with you, Debbie. I just, you know, we've been friends for a long time, and it's just like coming home, hanging out with you. <laughs> well, so it is a great thing. It's a great thing to have a, sh a guest on the show that you know you're you just you really are just uh, you know not conversing. And actually, I did prepare, but I wouldn't have had to, and I still probably could have had a great interview with you. But I want to be really ready for you. I want you to get to shine and your organization to shine. So you founded Christians Engaged. What's that all about? So we started about two and a half years ago, and we really felt a burden for the body of Christ in America that it's time to wake up. Um, I believe the Lord gave me a mandate to go find the awakening church. Um, people are starting to wake up that, you know, I don't know why we didn't wake up 50 years ago, but we're waking up a little bit more now that America's at a crisis point. And people are, the big question we always get, Debbie, is what do I do? What do I do to engage for America? And as people of faith, we should be salt and light in our communities, in our states, in our America. So we came up with three things. We can pray for our elected officials, our city, state, and nation. We can vote in every election. We can take Jesus to the ballot box. We can take our biblical values to the ballot box. And we can start engaging with whatever the burden of our heart is for our community, our state, and our nation. Everybody has a, a place. Everybody has something to do. And so trying to identify that, find it, and plug in to actually make an impact in America. And if all Americans would do that, um, we could actually change America and impact the nation. So that's our, our mandate and our mission. And we do that lots of different ways. I love that. Um, and in the past, you mentioned you know, for a long time, we've worked on different campaigns and you ran for Congress at one point. The data started to come out, and I th the first I heard uh, people speaking about it was either Ted Cruz or Rafael Cruz talking about the number of Christians who don't vote, which I think is simply, I, I think it's, a, you know, it's like, it's such a basic thing to do as a responsible citizen. I was blown away, but the numbers were apparently uh, 40 million Christians, 40 million Christians in America did not vote. I guess they're referring to 2016, didn't vote. So when the 2020 came around, people were saying, how could that many people not vote? And, and, and I mean, they're otherwise engaged in the world. They're not hermits. They're, they're in the world. They're going to church. They're involved in church and not voting. So you're getting a message out to churches and individuals and pastors that you got to get out and vote. I do want to ask you, do these people, do you ever hear the reasons why? What do they say why they don't vote? I have conversations all the time. We're in young millennial churches with a lot of young people that are going, I never really saw this as a being important. Well, number one, um, there's an apathy. Number one, people think that it doesn't make a difference. I'm just one of millions or I'm just one of a large city or a certain county and it's not going to make a difference. Well, we saw even here in our state of Texas you know, state rep races that were won by 20 votes, right, yep. in a yep. primary. So it does make a difference. There's a lot of close races. Um, the other thing is people don't feel qualified or they don't, I don't know who to vote for and I don't want to make a mistake. Like there's this innate fear that I'm going to make a mistake and so I'm just not going to do anything. 
And that's kind of what we, where we come in and we go, okay, guys, every Monday we're going to send you a prayer text to pray a biblical prayer for America or for your state or your nation. Every time there's an election, whether it's a local election, a primary, a midterm election, a presidential election, we're going to send you a Christian voting guide. We're not going to tell you what candidates to vote for or what party to vote for, but we are going to tell you how to research your ballot, how to look up the party platforms, how to decide how to vote, how to pull off your ballot at your elections department, research it. And if you spend 30 minutes, guys, like what you would spend on one Netflix show, <laughs> you would go in to a polling place much more prepared than 98% of Americans. You know, all those people that sit out there with the name of the candidates at the polling place, it drives me crazy. When I was running for Congress, I had to have all these people with bunny pounds for Congress, right? Why does that even work? It's because the people aren't researching their ballot and figuring out who to vote for before they walk in the door. That is the funniest thing you say that I have thought that so many times when I go to vote, all these people waving signs, I'm thinking, if anyone's walking in here and they're swayed by these signs, <laughs> they shouldn't vote. They should no. just stop. I mean, that's so ridiculous. And so it's actually harmful to our republic because they're just voting on, well, the person holding so-and-so sign seems so much nicer. So I'm gonna, I mean, just, just craziness. So, and this idea that I'm sorry, Debbie, but yeah. this idea that you just go vote, just go vote. No, no, don't just go vote. Yes. We want you to vote, but please educate yourself and at least look at their websites, their social media pages, Find out what the candidates believe and look at people that are endorsing them and putting their name on them. And you can figure out pretty easily who to vote for. It's not rocket science. Uh, it isn't rocket science. It does take that conscientious uh, effort. As you say, it's about as long as one Netflix film you might watch. Uh, but that effort is, I think at this time in America, there are people aware that the political stakes are pretty high yep. uh, on nationally. And we many people watch nationally. They, they watch what they think is are disastrous policies coming out of the current administration. You don't have to agree, but disastrous policies for America. And so those maybe are a little bit easier issues, but they get down to state level, state rep, state, yep. and, and, and they don't really know. And, and they get swayed by what their grandmother said or their friend said. So this idea of informing yourself, this is, it's, it's a br brilliant approach. And one thing I was gonna quickly hit on the subject of voter registration, I've heard more people say, we need a voter registration drive. Honestly, I'm like, please don't. Just, just you're registering people who knows what they'll do. I mean, I mean, register informed people right. and people who are, are willing to become informed. Anyway, okay. Yeah, so we're always, re yeah, that's right. I'm off my soapbox for the moment. Yeah, okay, yeah. We, every church we go into, we've been in 95 churches so far, just oh in two gosh. years, but we registered voters at every church. Um, but we also, when people take our pledge on our website or on social media to pray, vote, and engage, the first email they get is, are you registered to vote? Because that's important, but it's not just enough to register. You have to then make a commitment to build a habit of doing that and be educated on how to do it. And so that's kind of how we are approaching that. So you've been to 95 churches. I do want to briefly talk about what you're doing and get inside, but how do you even decide what churches to approach? Like, what, why are you in any particular church? Well, we, we go where people open the door. You know, we're talking to pastors, we're networking with pastors. We're very active in Texas and Pennsylvania, our two states that we have teams on the ground. 
Um, but now we're, we're launching nationally. We're talking to people nationally. So people find out about our ministry. We're really a discipleship ministry on civic government. So just like you have Dave Ramsey tells you all about financial peace or you have marriage counselors, you know, all those parachurch ministries are important because the local church pastors are completely overwhelmed, 100% overwhelmed on all the issues they have to follow. And so we provide the resources to say, Pastor, we want to walk beside you. We want to teach your people about prayer voting and engagement. Not only do we want to help you register and talk on these issues from a kingdom mindset, but we now want to educate them regularly by sending them an email every week and a text message so that they are actually pushed out to vote in every election and get the curriculum and the teaching they need on how Bible principles connect to voting patterns. It has to make the pastors comfortable that you're tethering what you're saying to the scriptures. Yes. Bunny, I got to go back. What did you say it again? You are a discipleship ministry. Mm -hmm. Discipleship ministry, a parachurch ministry. We operate with a doctrinal statement for Christians and a code of conduct for all of our ministry leaders and board of directors. And that really is different than a political movement going back to the church. We are really the church. Every single one of our board members have been active in local, state, federal government, prayer and intercession, um, you know, Bible curriculum, all of this, but all geared towards America. Um, but we're all Jesus-loving people, whether we're Catholic, Protestant, Church of Christ, Pentecostal, Baptist. I mean, our whole board of directors is extremely diverse, but we all center around our biblical values and say the Bible has a lot to say about what's happening in America right now. That is actually a great point about what the, the Bible, I mean, addresses, we were talking before we started about the issues the Bible does address. I mean, I think a lot of people say, well, I know it says thou shalt not kill, so that probably has some relevance to abortion. But I mean, the, the litany of issues, and if you can just run through them, things that you would say the Bible directly addresses that relate to modern issues that we're deciding in politics. Yeah, we have a, our first step for everybody is take our pledge to pray, vote, and engage. After that, we refer everybody to our on-ramp to civic engagement seminars. The seven-hour course on video curriculum, we just re-recorded it for the nation. It's amazing. But we do a whole hour in that course on issues from a biblical perspective. And you're thinking, really? The Bible has a lot to say about the issues. You know, sanctity of life. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say on that issue. Jeremiah was known by God in his mother's womb, right? Jeremiah 1, Psalms 139. He knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, Mary and, and uh, Elizabeth actually, you know, right? Jesus in the womb, John the Baptist in the womb, actually leaped and kind of talked to each other in the womb. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's amazing what the Bible has to say, but even on borders, even on education, on justice, on taxation, on debt, um, on biblical marriage, there are so many issues that the Bible has a lot to say. And we don't tell people what to believe, but we give them two or three incidences. I want you to go be a Berean like the Apostle Paul told you to be and search this out and see what you actually believe. And if American Christians would do that, I think they would have a little bit more clarity on how they need to engage. I love that. I mean, you said border in there. I'd love to hear what that one is. But all, all the issues, I mean, I, I love the Bible. I mean, I just think, it, and honestly, the whole notion of America having turned so far away from it. I mean, we pretty much were a pretty strong Bible-believing nation for, you know, since the founding up until, I don't know, when you make the marker yep. off, you yep. know, 40, 50 years ago, where we seen there was a push away from it, which was not just uh, happenstance. Let me get to that in a moment. 
But the idea of the Bible offering answers, and so you're really, to understand, because I want to get into the separation of church and state yep. issue too. So you're bringing to churches the biblical truth, the biblical, you know, refer oh, themselves really? to the, or refer the people to the Bible, they can read it themselves, to then inform themselves and be encouraged to feel, and also does that feel encouraged as their civic responsibility to, to vote and to vote based on the values that you're, that you're pointing out to them in the Bible. We get people thinking, you know, and, yeah. and pastors like that. They want people to be discipled in the word. So the problem right now in America is called biblical illiteracy. Only 6% yeah. of American Christians ever read their Bible outside of a Sunday morning. Wait, 6%? Only 6% of American Christians right now ever open their Bible okay. outside. Now, I'm not going to tell our studio audience how many of that are you in that category, um, but I hope we're convicted because if we aren't going to the only source of truth in life, which is the Word of God, um, then we are in trouble as a nation, and that's our number one problem. So when we're talking about, let's talk about um, defenses and borders. I mean, there's so many scriptures within the Old Testament. Nehemiah had to go get papers from King Xerxes to go through the lands of the places that he had to go um, to go through these different nations on his way back to Jerusalem. Um, Edom, um, there's a whole thing about the borders and the lands and make sure that you're keeping within the lines, right? So you can study a whole bunch on borders. Just look up nations. Even in the book of Acts, it says God ordained boundaries and nations, right? At the same time, the Bible has a lot to say about the people and the foreigners within our lands, right? How do we treat them? How are we kind? How are we loving? Um, how does the church respond to that? And, and we get a lot of these scriptures um, kind of mistaken in the fact that we think, the government should come in and have compassion on the, all these people. But I would like to submit to you that it should be the people of God that should be being the hands and feet of Jesus and taking care of the foreigners within our gates. It's not our issue to figure out how the federal government's failed or, or it is. We have to be involved. But the point is we have to look from a biblical lens on how we treat people and how we protect them, but also make sure that we're doing, the church is doing that. That's not the government's role to fill in every need in our country. Could not agree more. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but I was thinking, we were talking earlier today about how I think that there are um, people who might question what you're doing or, or, or feel skeptical about it, say, well, you know, you're kind of getting church and you're kind of blurring the line of church and state because you're taking you know, you are steering them to the Bible and what it teaches, the Word of God teaches, but then you're kind of directing them to get involved in the state. And you know, I will tell you that I think if these are just a vitally important stuff to understand because we are facing an era, we're going to get to George Soros, what he's been doing to the Christian church in just a minute. But, but back to the separation of church and state, you know, the um, concept, and I've, I've heard very well-educated, very thoughtful people say, well, it says it right in the Constitution, separation of church and state. In case anyone listening thinks so, it doesn't say that in the Constitution. There is no such language in the Constitution of separation of church and state. The First Amendment to the Constitution that addresses religion talks about Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion as establishment or prohibiting the free exercise of both clauses. Both clauses are about the idea of limiting the government. They're not directed at the churches. They're talking about government. You can't make a religion. You can't create one. You can't say we in America are going to be whatever it is, you know, Lutheran or Baptist. 
and you can't interfere with people who are practicing their religion. You can't interfere with free exercise. Both clauses intended to limit and control the government's behavior, not to limit and control the churches. Amen. Yeah, thank you very much. And the, uh, <laughs> and the other point, that the concept of the language separation of church and state came from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to, to, to some group in Danbury, Connecticut. He was trying to spell out in response to their question, can we have an official church of Connecticut, whatever the church is going to be? He said, no, the concept in America is separation of church and state. He didn't mean that the, that churches can have no political speaking, speaking, can't have political teaching. He meant the government stays out of the churches. So back to this, why this is so vital right now is because I think that a lot of what's happened in the social justice warrior era is that the churches, the Christian churches have been invaded by very consciously and intentionally by forces trying to wean people away from the scriptures yep. and toward leftist ideology. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I mean, the Bible has very clear, even Jesus said uh, before he comes back, right, there's going to be false teachers and heretics that are going to tickle the ears of the churches and people and lead them astray. And we are absolutely seeing that. Um, and so what we have to do as individual people, as families, as leaders, is to always give an account for everything we believe in the scriptures. You know, I mean, that was what Martin Luther uh, did, right? By putting up the theses on the Catholic Church was to say, I'm sorry, the people need the scriptures in their own language so they can study it and be um, priests and kings before God. And we've abandoned that many times by abandoning the word of God and not being um, diligent to study it. So then we're led away by these YouTubers and these people out there that want to twist the scriptures they want to twist it for their own agenda. And we're seeing that, I hate it, but infiltrating major seminaries, major mission organizations, major denominations. And I mean, people are shifting because they're looking for biblical-based churches and leadership. And, and I want to tell everybody listening to us, you have to go on that journey. Do not stay in a place where your pastors and leaders are leading people astray. Um, not based on the scriptures. You have to go on that journey and abandon those places and find biblical teachers. Amen. Okay. I do want to talk a little about George Soros. So part of what he's, um, has been doing because, uh, as my listeners know, and probably everyone listening knows, uh, George Soros is very, very dedicated to, uh, the destruction of religion uh, many other things, but he's dedicated to the destruction of religion. He, you know, being uh, was Jewish, is Jewish, uh, and uh, got through the Holocaust by helping the Nazis. It's a true story. Helping the Nazis search out his fellow Jews. So the guy is, you know, hardly a moral leader. Uh, and at this point in life, and he, as he writes about why he has become such a strident socialist and strident globalist and strident anti-American, is because he deplores religion. I mean, he states that he hates religion. He, he sees it as something that has been the cause of so much hatred and war and battle that to him, the higher idea for the world someday would be to free the world of religion. And so George Soros, I mean, I, George Soros, I, these are his words. I'm, I am paraphrasing him, but this is how he speaks and thinks. So his billions of dollars he uses and the organizations he creates, he's got his little, uh, you know, core organization he founded and there are 
circles of organizations around him that to which they feed money and then those organizations feed money to another larger circle and the point of it is the George Soros mission is carried out throughout America by many organizations which have the most apple pie, happy America sounding names. You think, oh, that sounds nice. You know, let me write them a check. I mean, this, this is the kind of thing they do. But one of the, uh, there was a wonderful organization, American Association of Evangelicals, did a very deep dive study on this. And there was a, a video, they, they, they recounted how Soros started, who he's funding, and then who he's funding beyond that, getting to the point of saying that they intentionally invaded the American churches with the notion of pulling back the churches from commitment to the scriptures, to understanding God's word, to pushing the leftist, anti-American, anti-freedom, pro-communist agenda that George Soros believes in. And the one video, I decided not to grab it, but I, I might do another show coming up. But the one video, they actually have a woman who's speaking on behalf of a George Soros organization referring to pastors. They literally train and place in these churches. And she called it, we call that our rent and evangelical program. They, they fund this. And so they're putting people in churches. So what happens, unfortunately, these churches is that, you know, you, you know, I know when I was growing up, you know, we, we went to church every Sunday and what pastor says goes, you know, you just figure he's supposed to be a man of God. And so people go to church and they're hearing, well, church isn't really about, you know, the scriptures. It's, it's about, you know, loving all mankind. We've got to work for open borders or it's for, you know, love. LGBTQ lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. That's a great topic. Uh, love your neighbor and, you know, all, all love wins. And, and so we abandon the notion of marriage because we have a higher, better idea. And pretty soon you've lost a sense of a core truth in the Bible and you're just being pushed around. So on the George Soros thing, I would argue, what they have done in the churches was invasion of politics into the American churches for decades. I yep. mean, do you, do you see remnants of this or, or evidence oh, of this? it's everywhere. But I will also give people hope. You know, as the darkness invades the earth, light is brighter. And the people that love God and are, are diving deep into the word of God right now are only getting stronger and they're only multiplying more. Uh, my message at our conference we're doing in September is going to be the gospel's preeminent. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is death, burial, and resurrection as it transforms people's lives um, is the only hope that we have for loneliness, suicide, depression, all of it, right? Changing um, the world. And, and so my husband came out of a, a drug uh, lifestyle. He was a drug addict stole things. I mean, just horrible lifestyle when he was 18 or 16 to 24. Had this miraculous intervention with the Lord, um, became a born-again Christian. Well, no one had to convince him um, how to live his life or how to vote or how to be a good citizen. No one had to tell him that the abortions he'd paid for in his old life was bad, that that was a bad thing. He got that through studying the scripture and being a diligent disciple Right. And so if we can take everybody to ask me, how do we change hearts and minds? Bring them to Jesus, <laughs> bring them to Jesus and then disciple them around your kitchen table and teach them about the word of God and how that relates to everything in their life. And the frustrating thing I have, Debbie, right now with the church is we like to segment every parts of our life. Right. God shouldn't touch our work. God shouldn't touch our family. God shouldn't touch this or that, how we do our civic duties, how we run our business, how we pay our taxes. God should actually touch all of that. And, um, and if we're real disciples, he should be impacting every part of our life. 
All right, then I'm going to quickly uh, interject for our radio listeners. If you're listening, first of all, thank you to Brody on Radio for carrying the show. If you're listening by radio, do know that 30 minutes past the hour, you're going to go off to a three-minute break. We'll be right here talking when you come back, so do come back. And at the end of the show, too, at three minutes before the end of the, the top of the hour, you'll also go away. But you can come back later to hear this show, this interview, and also view all past shows at americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. We're going to keep right on rolling uh, during your radio break, but do come back. Okay, so, Bonnie, I want to, um, first of all, it's, it's a really... I think one thing that's happening because people are becoming concerned about America, the direction of the country, concerned what's happening, is people are recognizing if you don't have some tethering in truth, anything goes. Or like if you don't, what, there's an expression about um, if you don't believe in something, you fall for anything. But if you don't believe in something that gives it, tethers you in truth, then sure, maybe maybe half the country is transgendered. Who knows? I mean, this is part of what is amiss in the in the country is you see these problems and, and and there's not a body large enough or at least vocal enough yet saying that's not true that's not right so do you encounter those issues do you discuss those issues like transgenderism um yes we do we're actually doing a full series on it in january we're going to do with uh, dr conrad vine who's an amazing seventh-day adventist minister who teaches exclusively on this um, and other hot topic issues. But there's courageous people in every denomination that are rising up and saying, we're going to actually teach the Bible. But if you go back to Genesis 1, right, God created a man and a woman in the garden. It's real easy to see that there's only two pronouns, you know, a man and a woman, period. And so, you know, if someone, a new believer, reads the Bible and they start with Genesis 1, which, you know, I don't really recommend that you start at the beginning of the Bible. You're going to hit a whole bunch of law and liturgy that you're going to like, oh, what in the world? But still, if you start with Genesis 1, it's going to become very clear what is truth. And I think that's where we have to just continue to drive home to people. Look at politics and everything happening in the news media and everything happening in our culture through that lens, if you do, you're going to find your the right way. Yeah. You know, um, you know Bunny, um, first, uh, part of we're, this, the transgender thing and the men and women thing, I think part of what has succeeded, uh, been successful in pushing people off track is the presentation of the issue. You either agree that transgenderism is a real issue and it's terrible and, and, and we've got to honor whatever these people say they need, or else you're a hater. Right. And, and the That's other not true. Right. I was going to say the answer of love, of speaking in a loving, firm, affirmational way is so much more powerful than the angry denouncement. And I'd love to hear what, uh, really what you. Yeah, I, I just was putting up something for the North Texas Giving Day and they wanted a, an equity statement right on the on the website. So I put we believe that every human is created by God and therefore has value and worth. Um, we celebrate and love all people. Right. I mean, simple. That's true. <laughs> That's a biblical statement. Right. So we have to meet people where they are. We have to talk compassionately to them um, with the truth of the word and with the love of God. But it doesn't mean that we affirm all behaviors or thoughts or human patterns or whatever they think they are or are doing in that moment. It doesn't mean it's profitable for their life. But we can speak kindly. You know, if I have a teenager, I remember when my boys were teenagers, you know, and they had some crazy random thought. You're like, you know, I don't know if that's wisdom. I don't know if that really profits your life. Um, can you really think through this and really, you know, look at this? And so if you present information 
with number one, an open heart and a, and a loving attitude, um, you can build these bridges with people that can actually transform their life. Um, we've actually seen people at our civic engagement seminars come to Jesus at our seminars because they've never been exposed to the truth of the gospel or the word of God until they walked into a political or civic engagement seminar. And so God can reach people wherever they are with their truth. And But it, it's not that we hate people. That's a lie. And that's how they want to craft it um, to keep people to... Sh- keep people quiet out of that fear, but we need to just be bold. And, but we also need to walk in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount and be peacemakers and bring people to the table. I like that walk in the Beatitudes. That's a good line. I haven't, I haven't said that before. I mean, they're beautiful just to study and read and contemplate, but that's a, that's a good, I like that line. Um, part of what I want to wait. Okay. Now our radio listeners are back. I want to be sure before, uh, while they were gone, I didn't want to get to, I want to have you talk about what you're, you're going to be hosting this fall in September. You have a summit or a conference coming up. And so we have Emilio, I think we have, we have the flyer. So it's up for our people watching online. Would you tell us all about your conference? Yeah, this is a really unique conference. It's called our wake up conference. We're going after trying to find the awakening church that doesn't know what to do in this hour. So we're bringing people across denominational lines together. Last year, we had 450 people in Garland, Texas. I had everybody from, you know, Rick Perry to June Hunt to Corey Russell from Upper Room. It was a crazy hodgepodge of people. But this year, we have Dr. Robert Jeffers from First Baptist Church. Um, We have Eric Metaxas, who wrote the famous book on Bonhoeffer, William Wilberforce, If You Can Keep It, all those great biographies. Martin Luther, we talked about Martin Luther earlier. Um, and we've got people from the prayer movement, Will Ford and Matt Lockett from Bound for Life and the prayer movement are going to talk about um, how they had a racial reconciliation and the life issue. Um, we've got elected officials like Wayne Christian, our railroad commissioner, Congressman Chip Roy, Congressman Mike, uh, Michael Cloud, Senator Bob Hall. Lots of people will be there on the government realm. So we're bringing government leaders and ministry leaders together that all love Jesus that probably shouldn't be in the same room together, according to the world. But you That's know right. what? It makes sense. And we also worship and pray at this conference. It's not just speeches. So we're educating people and empowering them to go change the world when they leave. So it's gov- I really do want to focus in on, like I, you know, I say things about my summit, what I hope <laughs> people leave. So government and ministry are in together in one room yep. and, and talking about prayer and praying together. So someone leaves your conference, what, what, what do you, what's your highest hope that they take away? Well, I hope that they understand that there's a lot of education that we offer that they can literally plug into, but we're even going to do breakouts this year to try to in, in, help people identify, are you called to d- dive into federal government, state government, local government, prayer and intercession, the pro-life movement, anti-human trafficking, bridging these gaps between races and denominations. Everybody has a place, but we're trying As the weekend goes on, we're praying that God awakens your heart, that you have a specific call in an area. Because just like I referenced Nehemiah before, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days. 52 days. He went back from a foreign land to rebuild the walls. And he did that through individual families and communities that he said, this is your section of the wall. This is your section of the wall, etc. Their job was not to fix the entire wall. No person can do that, right? And none of us can fix every problem in America. But if we all find our place and are obedient 
that's how God can really change things in our life. And I've seen that through my own life and the people I connect with. And I know you have too, Debbie. We all find our place and get active. So that's our hope is that everyone wakes up and finds their place on the wall during our conference. I love that. And actually, it's uh, analogous and maybe with overlap too. What I talk about uh, and every any speech, any show, I talk about, you know, no one's going to fix America. Uh, you know, not one candidate, elected official or, or political party. It, it is individuals finding your niche and then putting your whole, throwing your whole heart into it. Yep. And, yeah, and so it can be, in, in the case of politics, it can be one candidate, one, I'm going to fix the school boards, whatever it is, you, you, yep. you're going to go after it. I'll tell you something else. I think it's such a timely thing you're doing. You do hear more people so concerned. Uh, I mean, I, if you run through the litany of issues they're concerned about, the border's been abandoned, uh, the government's turning Marxist. I mean, the Democrat Party has basically become Marxist. They, they are a Marxist party, putting Marxist policies in place, um, and shutting down free speech, all sorts of things that are so wrong. And people get engaged in a political battle. You know, they just say, well, next time we're going to, whatever it is, we're going to elect this kind of person, we're going to change this. But there are more people realizing America's really in trouble. I mean, deeper trouble than just the next election cycle. It's a loss of uh, a common ground of yes. truth, a, a belief in the common ground of what is true. Uh, it's a loss in the younger gen, not to blame all the young people, but no, many young people. Young people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but many young people have just come up through schools where we were not aware was being taught, but they're, they're turning on their country, that they don't respect the idea of America. They don't really believe in the foundational ideas of America. And there are people realizing we are not going to get this country back through policies and politics. It, it's going to take it's going to take prayer. It's going to take it's, it's going to take God's hand in America's um, in America's future, America's life. So do you talk about that? And your oh, idea? that's the ex exact reason I've been a political consultant for 16 years, as you know, um, running members of Congress's campaigns. And, you know, I got really tired of just raising money for their bio and their name ID to go on a piece of mail or on a radio ad. And I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day, how can we actually change hearts and minds and actually move the needle? We have to continue to bring people to the table. And that means we got to build bridges where some people are not willing to go. So for me, I'm, you know, pastor's kid and I have a theology degree on top of political science degree and I'm a Christ for the Nations graduate. And I'm like, you know, I felt called to the mission field in Latin America and ended up stuck in my viewpoint, stuck in America. <laughs> Here God has used me in government and politics. Um, how can one God use a, a woman that's got a political resume for his glory? Um, how he does that is he takes the little bit in our hands, which for us is practical political education that Christians need to know. And we're building that into a video curriculum library, whether it's state government, our new, our, our, we have our on-ramp to civic engagement seminar that I said is seven hours. Everybody can buy it for 29 bucks and it's got notes and discussion questions and amazing videos. Congressman Michael Cloud and state representative Matt Schaefer joined us for that curriculum. Um, and now our new one that's coming out later in the fall is how to be light and salt in your community, where we drill down to school boards, county, city, why the Chamber of Commerce shouldn't be abandoned by Christians. What's your Rotary shouldn't Club? Shouldn't be abandoned. Shouldn't. By, should be reformed. Then. We should all be going into those places and <laughs> yeah. getting outside the church, right? Um, and so practical education of, you know, why is your water district important? Why should you care about your library and your park and rec and all that fun stuff? 
But so often the church has stayed within the four walls and we have to empower people. And what we've seen is I think about 1,400 people have taken our classes now, Debbie. And I get emails all the time. I am 20 years old or I'm 80 years old. And for the first time in my life, I'm doing something. I'm becoming a poll watcher, an election judge. I called my political party and I'm now the vice president of data. I mean, I've had so many amazing stories. We had a young uh, African-American kid in um, Victoria. I call him a kid. He's early 30s. Um, that showed up at our seminar and gave his life to Jesus, got baptized at the Cowboy Church the next week at our convention, and is also one of the top volunteers in the political party in his county now, um, all because of one little seminar. So it's just amazing when you give people a little bit of information, enough that they can sink their teeth in, they can actually get moving in the right direction. So that's what we're doing. I love that. So right now, you said earlier, you're in Texas and Pennsylvania primarily, but you have national expansion ambitions. How, how do you even, how do you do that? How do you expand like that? Well, we talked, you talked earlier about our IRS fund time, you yeah. know, when we got denied our tax exempt status. Good guys won, and oh, yeah. by the way, the IRS said Bible teachings are typically affiliated with the Republican party and candidates. That was their exact words in this letter. I know like crazy. Um, but anyway, we won that case of course, because it was ridiculous. But all of a sudden, we had this little pledge to pray, vote, and engage, and we were marketing that to Texans, right? We're going into churches, we're on social media, we have volunteers going into festivals, getting people to take this pledge to pray, vote, and engage. All of a sudden, all thousands of people started taking it in America, and I'm like, oh no. Like, we're not talking about their election dates, we're only talking about Texas election dates. And it sent me on a journey of trying to figure out how can we build this, and has anybody built this for the nation? Not one person. Debbie, which shocks me, has built a system for the body of Christ in a nonpartisan way to push them out to vote in every election in the country. And so Christians Engage, we have, um, we're getting the funding together for that, but we're building it out. We're going to announce at our wake-up conference September 23rd and 24th that we are going to have it for the 2023 and 2024 election cycle. Um, and so we'll have that communication system where people will get a text and an email when early voting begins, when early voting ends, three days before the election and election date for all 50 states. And they will also have all of our curriculum on a national basis that they can plug into to start educating them on all the issues. It sounds fabulous. One of the things I was to commend you on are just thinking about how things have been working. You know, I worked on a campaign 12 years ago, I think it was. Anyway, and anyway, there was a, a black Republican running for Congress, and there was a, um, I, I had never become aware, it's a, black, a majority black district, and uh, I had never known until then how active many of the black majority churches are in, I mean, it's, maybe it's common knowledge now, but I didn't know at that time, are in encouraging the members to vote. And they will, you know, have them, if there's a um, voting location somewhere near the church, they'll have a bus come by the church, everybody get on, take them to vote, bring, I mean, it, it's like a rah-rah activity, like, like my little Lutheran church growing up would pick everybody up to go to work at the homeless shelter or whatever, or the food, you know, the, the soup kitchen. This was picking them up, take them to vote, and bring them back. And it was, it, I mean, because of the way the, the, um, culture was of those churches, you know, you, most people assume that they were all going to go vote Democrat. And, and even though the pastor may, maybe didn't say that, so many of the messages were about 
the repression uh, and, and you're a victim and you got to vote for big government and vote to make the government take care of your life and all that. And that activity was so hard to penetrate. It was so ingrained in those people, in those churches, that even with the effort to reach out and say, why don't you come and hear what the, the other side's saying? Just, just come and listen, come and talk. Couldn't, um, it, it was a very ingrained behavior. And I guess a couple of points about that. One is, clearly, it's political activity, like this close to you know, actual political activity. But it was also common, um, the, the culture of the church was pushing that. And so I, I, I'm getting around a couple of things. One is I think that the uh, pushing by the IRS and other, you know, leftists was the idea, oh, there's a wall of separation. You can't talk about politics. Hasn't ever really been followed by the left. I mean, they, they, they all the time are agitating and getting their voters out. But people in the, uh, who might have a more, who might apply the biblical worldview uh, were made to feel frightened by it. Um, and and by, by having anything that even touched on political I mean, it's just an interesting thing. You're really responding to that, or you're, you're making a balance back for the churches getting that. And I'm fully aware, having been in politics for 16 years, the uck and yuck and the mud of all of it. It's, it's very difficult to navigate as a believer. Um, my part of my testimony is I've been in it for 16 years and I still love Jesus. I mean, that's a miracle. Um, but, uh, you know, it's real difficult for Christians to navigate that. And so... And I don't think that politics and the kingdom of God are the same or should be mixed. But again, if we're Christ followers, Jesus should impact everything in our life. And the founders gave us a gift in this nation that we, the people, have the um, not only the, the gift of voting, but we have the responsibility to elect our representatives, right? So Book of Proverbs says, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Um, there's a direct relation between those who rule and represent us and how it affects us, even our body, soul, and spirit. I mean, you can feel it in the atmosphere, right? If you're in a, a, a county or a state um, that is run by people that do not hold a biblical worldview. So we have a responsibility to do something about that. And that's we're trying to balance all of that um, in a Christian ministry that is extremely trying to be extremely biblical and hold that all together so that we can actually move people of faith to do something. Love that. I want to mention Rafael Cruz. I know he is very affiliated with you and you've done different things with him. And he's been on the show many times. Uh, this is Ted Cruz's dad. He's a pa he's a pastor. So what does he do for your organization? How does he? Raphael's on our national advisory board and he has been, uh, I cannot tell you how much I love Raphael, but we've been very close for a long time, but we've actually at our conference last year, he pulled me backstage and said, bunny, we need to go tag team preach around the state. And I'm like, really Raphael, you're in your eighties and I'm in my forties. We're going to go tag team preach. And he goes, yeah, I, he goes, I believe in you. And I believe in this organization. So we've by the end of this year, we'll have done, I think, 14 cities. Um, just me and Raphael tag teaming. We're calling them Awakening Nights. And we've been to Pennsylvania also. And it's just been amazing the response of people to go, okay, I'm ready to actually do something. So I'll, I'll talk about our beginning and, and how to do the marching orders. And he talks about tyranny and freedom and gets everybody pumped up. It's amazing. Yeah. I was going to say among the many things, and he may tell the story often as you're doing your tag team preaching, but about how in America's early era, in the founding era, there was a black robe regiment. Yep. I mean, these pastors who would get up and give their their sermon on Sunday and leave the service, and then they're done with the service, and they're off to 
fight for America. Well, and he fight. shares the amazing story of, you know, in Castro's Cuba, where his mom told the story of these young children, and I've heard it a hundred times now, you know, where they said, hey, put out your hands and pray to God for candy. And of course, they don't put any candy in the kids' hands, and they're trying to get them to not believe in God, yeah. right? And then they said, close your eyes, open your hand, ask Castro for candy, ask Fidel for candy, and all the candy gets filled up in the hands. So the indoctrination of our children, we have to be watching these things and look at things eyes wide open and realize that socialism and communism is not the way to go. And it's not really empowering to the church as a whole in our communities. Oh, it's deadly to the churches. Deadly. I mean, historically, communism has been deadly to Christianity and to pastors, anyone involved in the church. It was yep. one of the first things that every communist leader who comes to power does is uh, start executing pastors and, and, and ending churches. So I didn't know you and Raphael were doing this. So you are, how, where do you go? We say you go to cities. Do you just get a few churches and see if they'll host you or do you, is it a public venue? Or? We're doing, some of them are in churches. Some of them, we, we did one in Willis, Texas, where we had 200 people at a Pentecostal church and invited the community. Um, we had one in Mansfield just a few weeks ago. We're doing one September 1st in Tyler. So it's funny that Louis Gomer is going to be here September 1st. We'll be in Tyler um, in his hometown. Um, and then we're doing one in um, Grandview and Southlake this year and a couple, a couple more. But it's, just, it's been just amazing to just have a good night where we tell people about our pledge. We tell people about our curriculum and give them some empowerment to go actually and do something yeah. and to get their community involved. I know Raphael has done a lot of teachings of pastors. He goes around the world actually talking at pastors' conferences, trying to encourage them. I mean, in America, he's trying to say there's really no prohibition. You go right ahead. You can you can preach things that are political, yeah. um, and he, uh, which is wonderful. And then around the world, I think he's in, uh, in, in America too, empowering them to think. You know, you not just you are permitted to speak up, but you need to speak up. Now, I mean, you need to be a leader in your community and say more than just. You know, reciting the scriptures. You've got you. You got to stand up and lead. Yeah. Do you ever go to his his? Uh, oh video? yeah, we we are doing a lot together right now. But I mean, we have other great national leaders that are coming on board. James Robinson's been really supportive. Um, James had me on live today with him and Betty a while back, and he's been um, helping me behind the scenes with strategy. Um, Dave Cabal and Chris Cabal from Intercessors for America are putting out our curriculum to the whole nation in the next week. Um, so we co-branded a, a whole civic engagement seminar for them, and they're getting that out to 300,000 people um, in the coming weeks. So it's just amazing how um, we've kind of found our niche, which is if we can provide practical civic engagement education so that people go beyond prayer to go, you know, how can I really influence my legislators? How can I really advocate? How can I What's the best way to reach them? What's the best way to, to pursue these things from a real understanding of how the systems work? Um, that's real helpful to Christians that are looking to put their hands on something right now. Sounds wonderful. Bunny, you are amazing. You're right. I mean, for years I knew you as just helping various candidates raise money and little events to go to, and you're working hard at them. So you've really, uh, I mean, I guess actually, you probably learned a lot from all that of how the systems do work and how, and and what works and what doesn't. So that was one, it's yeah. an amazing. You are just bursting with um, excitement and, and a sense of fulfillment. I love it. Okay, so we have our studio audience has uh, the opportunity to ask questions. There's a microphone there. Um, while it, anyone can raise your hand and ask a question, I do want to ask you, so if people uh, want to find you, it's Christians 
the, the word Christian plural, christiansengaged.org, christiansengaged.org. And if they go to that website, uh, I, as I did today, getting ready, uh, you can read all sorts of, of the events you have coming up, your, learn about who your leadership is, um, classes they can take. They can really, um, you've made this from just a vision of let's, you know, let's, I mean, into a real amazing active organization. I really commend you. Yes. So step one, take the pledge to pray, vote, and engage on our website. And step two, take that $29 civic engagement seminar. You can do it at your own piece and it'll track where you're at in the videos. And, and you can also get a small group license or small uh, church licenses for that to, to be able to educate your community with that curriculum. But, um, and then check out our other classes on Zoom and our conference September 23rd and 24th. In Dallas, Dallas. Fort Worth. We'll be in, in Rowlett, Texas. In Rowlett, okay. Church in the City, Rowlett, Texas, and it's worth the every dollar of the $55 you will pay for that conference. It's not much. All right. Okay, so we had one hand up over here. If you get the microphone, speak right into it. Hold right up to your mouth and speak right up. Speak up. Is there a way for us to watch some of your um, conferences that you've done? Is there a place to go and search that? Yes. So we can see what you've done. Yes, um, on our YouTube channel, Christians Engaged, you'll find all of our podcasts, but there's the, all of the main headliners messages are on there. It's called Wake Up Conference 2021. Um, so you can check all that out. You can get the whole conference from last year. I think it's $25 on our website as well. Um, just go to classes um, and you can get the whole thing, like all the prayers, everything um, in that format. So, um, but yeah, we have a podcast every week. I have had Michelle Bachman on this year, Dave Cabal, um, Rick Green, Tim Barton. It's been a, a, you know, so check out our podcast. Jeb Henserling will be on with me tomorrow. How so do they watch boss. the podcast? Where do they go? It's on YouTube. It's on wherever you get your audio pods. It's on Facebook Live. It comes out Thursdays, actually right now, today, uh, 12. So so it's pre-recorded, but yep. they can watch it on these places. Can they watch it at christiansengaged.org? Yes. Yeah, okay. Go to the podcast page. We also have a weekly Bible study, um, which is amazing. Every Monday morning at 8.30, we're studying the Bible together on Zoom webinar and Facebook Live. And so we're finishing up 18 weeks on Nehemiah and going back to the book of Psalms. But that'll be going back, starting in Psalms 64 uh, next week. So, All right, then. We have more. Someone else has a hand up right there. How do we get our local clergy to get involved? Uh, we had issues with... Uh, uh, transgender group in Princeton uh, parading and uh, at the city council meetings, uh, nobody shows up. The, the clergy is absent completely. Uh, and they're acting out of fear, it seems to me. So how do we get them engaged and educated? And I mean, they got to get out there. I, I would again refer them to our civic engagement seminar. Um, if they just watched the first video is why we should be engaged in the culture and the biblical theology behind that. Because a lot of people think that it's not biblical to engage. Well, that's a complete lie. And I go from Genesis to Revelation and prove to everybody why we should be doing that. So it's a really good resource. Um, you can refer them to that. Um, and then we have over 300 articles on our website too to help uh, people get in, get involved in every level. So you can actually search on our blog and see what's there to refer them to an article as well. Okay, Bunny, I am so proud of you. I am so thrilled with what you're doing. As a Jewess, I am particularly thrilled because I am frightened 
when I see churches becoming mosques and museums, and I feel safer, as do many of my observant Jewish friends, feel safer around strong Christians, as you are, and people who know the Bible, and as you mentioned earlier about starting with Genesis 1, okay? And, of course, that's my Bible. Um, exactly. I uh, feel sad that in the 2,000 years of Christianity, this world has never seen such bloodshed in the name of brotherly love. And, of course, we are waiting for the messianic era. However, when there'll be peace on earth, goodwill towards man, uh, we are very happy to know that there are strong Christians. And, of course, we're sad about the Jewish people who have forgotten from whence they came and that they are to be a light unto the nations. But we are very happy uh, with the good work that you are doing and Pastor Cruz. And uh, God bless you. Thank you, Diane. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the reality is there's a lot that unites us. And we need to, um, again, being bi biblically based, then we understand. Uh, my kid's name is Israel. He's 25 years old. And nobody can spell his name. Like I'm like, seriously? Um, I'm like, it's the second most used name in the Bible, right? If you read the, the Old Testament, you're going to see God's call to the land of Israel and the Jewish people. So it actually drives people to the issues that we care about. I love that. I didn't see another hand up. Um, I was going to mention, if you were asked very quickly, another issue that is really pressing on America is our relationship with this country of Israel, you know, and the kind of political battles going on over there. Do you ever talk about that in your work? Uh, we talk about it. I was one of the speakers at the Jerusalem prayer breakfast that we had here yeah. in, in Dallas. But yeah, it's really important that we understand that God has, he keeps his covenant and he's a faithful God. Right. And so there's a connection. Um, we have the scriptures, right, as Gentile believers, because the Jewish people kept the scriptures safe. Right. So understanding that and understanding the miracle that is the modern nation of Israel, that God really brought his people back together um, and and created a land with boundaries and borders and defense systems. And um, Israel is our most important democratic ally in the Middle East. And we need to make sure that 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 relationship strong stays strong between the U.S. and Israel um, and their spiritual and political and economic reasons for that. So we talk about that all the time. We're doing a class in that on in 2024, too. Oh, good. Okay. I actually have often thought I, I don't understand the antagonism sometimes between Judaism and Christianity, because obviously if you study the Bible, you study the scriptures, half what you're, and, and Jesus quoted the, the, the Old Testament scriptures often in referring to in his teaching. So the, it's a, you know, for the Christian, it's a melding. It's not an, it's not an antagonism at all. It shouldn't exactly. be. Right. Yeah. One more question. We have like just about a minute. I'm very concerned with trying to do the same thing over and expecting different results. Um, I'm going to be a poll watcher. I went last time and studied it and it frightened me and I didn't feel I knew enough. Um, Besides poll watching, is there any way in the world we could get paper ballots? Is there any way? Well, I'm talking to Christians a lot about um, election integrity. It's a big issue that comes up. And I just want to remind everybody that there has been voter fraud throughout U.S. history. You know, LBJ, even in Texas, probably won his Senate race fraudulently. So to not freak out 
as much about it, but know that we have a plan. You know, we have to be election judges. We have to be poll watchers. We have to be those people that are trained in our counties to go down there and watch over the system, you know, when they bring in the ballots from nine o'clock to midnight. We need to be, everybody around the country needs to be making sure their state legislature puts the, the uh, you know, most important things of making sure that they don't mail out paper ballots to every single registered voter ever again in any state, right? And that we're making sure that we're doing what we need to do on every space and cleaning up the voter rolls and working with our elections department on that. So there's a lot that individual Christians can do on all these issues if we start actually getting involved in them. Bonnie Pounds, I thank you so very much for joining me. It was great to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for our listeners, I'll tell you, this is, as I said at the beginning, this is our final um, Thursday for about four weeks. We'll be back on Thursday's show, September 1st. Congressman Louis Gohmert uh, joining us in studio. But in the meantime, I will be doing shows Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do not go away. Stay right in the fight. August might be vacation month, but, you know, uh, we got to be in the fight every single day. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can you hear us now? America, can we talk truth about America? Can you